0: This episode of Things Cooks Know is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code REALSIMPLE at checkout and get 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Welcome to Things Cooks Know, the weekly podcast where the professional cook, that's Sarah Kay, shares insider advice and secrets with the busy amateur cook, that's me, can use in her own kitchen with her own family. So this week's episode was inspired by a dump truck cake. Uh, yes, or was it a cement mixer?
1: It had to have a cement mixer on it, but we we downgraded to it it being okay to just have a mixer on it and not actually be in the shape of it. I was able to sneak that one by my son. This is Sam. We're talking about my son who turned four last weekend. <laughs> so you know, I spend a lot of time cooking for work. <laughs> So I'm not always ready to take on the most ambitious projects at home for good reason, which you're you're saying this because you happen to be looking at my Instagram feed. I looked
0: at your Instagram feed and your comment was, I've baked chocolate cakes or chocolate desserts all week. Yeah. But you were making truffles at like 12 o'clock at night. You were like full on. Yeah, I
1: went through so many pounds of chocolate last week for various work-related and child-related reasons like, oh, got to make all these truffles for work. Working on another dessert feature that's coming up. Oh, got to bring cupcakes to school for everybody. So I was like, I was just rolling. I was just pumping this stuff out all week. But the the sad picture that um, <laughs> accompanied
0: Sarah's comments on her Instagram feed were was a picture of looking over a pan, a baking pan that had a lot of residual
1: like chocolate half a cake. cake still in it. Yeah, yeah, stuck
0: in the bottom. So
1: you so know, I did well sad. until my luck ran out, which was with the actual birthday cake. Oh.
0: It's the worst, and this is to say that things happen to everybody. And so we wanted to and dedicate. you know what? There are solutions, which is that. <gasps> well, exactly.
1: I, you know, we still use that cake. He just had a much smaller birthday cake <laughs> than was originally planned. A little creative cutting and frosting. It was all good. Good. And it's just
0: to say that it happens to everybody, and we wanted to talk th- for this entire episode about kitchen snafus, or yeah. as we've been calling it, fu- kitchen fuck ups. Things that happen to people all the time why they happen, which I think is important in the learning process, and also like how to prevent them.
1: Yeah, so we're going to kind of call out some little things, small changes that people can actually make that will improve their game. Stop, prevent the fuck-ups, right? Okay,
0: I like it. So let's just, let's start out right with the cake for a second, can we? So you fixed it, which is good. So like post-fuck-up fix with a little patchwork.
1: and And I should say that the problem with this particular cake was that it looked horrible because half of the cake was still sticking to the pan, <laughs> um, which probably means that I really didn't do like my due diligence in fully putting the parchment on every part and i i wasn't really careful about well, making that's... sure it was like floured and that's the fix. That's that's
0: the that's the way to prevent from the first place. Yeah. Right. You actually have to take the time. I, I always point this out on recipes when the food department is, you know, mm-hmm. you guys are when we're putting recipes in the to magazine. To prepare the pan. Like yeah. prepare the pan, you know, fit with three pieces of parchment, butter the parchment, layer
1: on another piece of parchment, yeah. butter and flour. And I'm like, can we stop on a, a non stick spray or something like right. that? But but I, you do have to actually
0: make sure it's covered.
1: Yeah. You you'll be better in the long run. So I, I got a little cocky about it, and I paid the price. <laughs> but that said, so that was, like, really a, a prep problem. But the cake itself tasted good. And so it wasn't, it wasn't a problem in the, like, preparation of the – it was a cosmetic problem, not a taste problem. But there are a lot of things that you can do while you're, like, making in the process of putting the batter together that can – screw you up.
0: Okay, so let's talk about that. So when you're actually mixing the batter or putting the the batter together before you're even Mm -hmm. inserting into pan.
1: Okay, well, so for one thing, this is something that we we always stress in our instructions to your measurements. So don't use the same measuring cups for liquid and dry ingredients. Why? I I, I
0: know that. I I know that that's a rule, Mm -hmm. but I have no idea why.
1: Well... It's it's just not as accurate. So, like, if you are putting flour in one of those handled liquid measuring cups, mm-hmm. you have to kind of, you know, bang it on the counter or shake it around so that you can actually see what the level oh, line is. Yeah, like kind of eyeball where you're going. And when you do that, that motion of banging and knocking kind of compacts the flour, and so you're actually you're not getting an accurate. Reading of of how much flour you're using, and so what that means is you're probably going to use too much, and then your cake or your muffin or whatever you're making is going to be tougher and drier than it needs to
0: be. Okay, that makes sense because also what we always say in recipes is to spoon and spooned level, spoon and level. So for yeah. the leveling part of it is is a big part of that too. Yeah. That you can't get a you can't scrape a knife across the top of a exactly. uh, Pyrex liquid measuring cup.
1: And so, what does spooned and leveled mean? It's just what it sounds like. So instead, you should use one of those dry measuring cups like that sort of, they they usually come, you know, stacked on top of each other. And actually take a spoon from your canister of flour, your bag of flour, and spoon the flour into the cup. Um, And when it mounds off at the top, just gently run the knife or the back of the spoon or whatever across the top to get the excess off. And that is a more accurate
0: Measure. That's such. That's a step that I have to confess. I like skip all the time. I just jam my measuring cup into the, f- the <laughs> bag of flour, <laughs> and then I use the side of the bag, the interior side of the bag, to scrape the top. Right. But I, I do realize that I'm I'm compromising.
1: And so, I uh, the only other thing I would say is if, um, so if you need to go in the other direction, like if you just want to use one set of measuring cups, it's better to go the other way. Right. Which okay. is to like use your dry measuring cups at, with liquid gotcha. it's just a little tricky because you're going to have to fill them all the way that, to the top to yeah. be accurate and yeah. then maneuvering them Tip-toe into over. your bowl or yeah. whatever you can get spills or you know so you just have to be careful
0: okay so everything's in your bowl and you're combining all the ingredients well there's one more thing what
1: before we get to mixing that I want to say which is so we just talked about the the flour and the dry ingredients but if you're going to be using if you have eggs or butter, or milk, any other dairy product that's going into your batter, you should let them come to room temperature before you put them in. There are exceptions to this rule. Like, I know we've talked about pie crusts before, Mm -hmm. where you actually usually want, like, that cold fat in there because when that hits the high oven temperatures, it produces pockets of steam and... You get that sort of flaky crispiness, but for cakes and things like that, you really want a room temperature dairy or or egg, and the and the reason is that in order when when you're adding those things to your batter, they they bond with the dry ingredients to create this like emulsion, mm-hmm. and during baking that that creates um, some expansion of air. And it leavens the batter of dough. And so it, you want oh. that to, So for a lighter baked good. And the cold ingredients won't sort of create that even emulsion in the same way. They won't bond. And so you won't get that same, like, even, fluffy, light, and airy. Results. Okay,
0: so I do this fuck up every single time I bake because I read the ingredient list and it says like, you know, two eggs at room temperature. I'm like, "Well, what are you talking about? I'm baking right now." Yeah. But I think so what I do is I say, "Oh, next time I'll remember." Right. And then I just I'll add them cold because I'm certainly not going to wait to put them on the counter for an hour to well, get them. Well, you don't have to. So that to there
1: are some quick fixes if you find yourself in that situation because we've all been there, right? So, I mean, I did this This past week, it always happens to me where I think, oh, God, I I can't. It's 930 at night. I got to make more cupcakes. (laughs) And I really don't want to wait for my butter to come up to room temperature on its own. I have like a little fan that I can turn on on my oven. Mm -hmm. And sometimes what I do is just turn the fan on and like put the sticks of butter right in front of the fan. Oh, And just that air circulation like seems to Get them warmed up quicker, huh. um, but you could also just cut the butter into like smaller chunks instead of uh, you know the full stick, and microwave it real for like a really short amount of time. Mm-hmm. You don't want liquid; you're not melting well, that, the butter. That's
0: the thing. If you, and I guess it's the cutting up is the key. Yeah, because I just shove a whole stick in the microwave and I microwave it for like ten seconds and nothing happens. Then I microwave it for twenty seconds and half yeah. of it's like complete liquid. If right. you cut
1: it into like a couple, it doesn't have to be 10 slices or anything, right. but just a couple slices and then zap it for five to 10 seconds, it should start to, okay. it should be fine. And then what about eggs? And then eggs, you can um, just put them in a pan of like, lukewarm water, you know, warmish water, not hot water, and just let them sit there for about 10 minutes. Okay, And, and that will just help bring their temperature up without, you know, you don't want to cook them, right? but that will help bring it up faster than okay. if you're just leaving okay. them out. So All right. Otherwise, though, if it d- does occur to you, you know, like 30 to 45 minutes should be enough to kind of get them where I you
0: mean, I've do gotten it. okay with the butter. Like, I will think ahead about that sometimes. Mm-hmm. So then I, but I just always forget the eggs. And I always forget if, like, they say milk or cream or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just have to practice. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now everything's in the pan.
1: Okay. So now in you're, the gonna, bowl. you're mixing it, right?
0: Okay. Yeah. You're mixing it.
1: Don't go crazy. That would be, like, my number one thing. Like, I think that people are obsessive about, like, not having any lumps or any any little bits of, you know, visible matter right. <laughs> left in their batter. And you're going to get yourself in trouble if you really just, like, work your bicep over and over and over again to get the smoothest batter. If you overmix... Your batter, you're going to overactivate the gluten in the recipe because that that's that mixing activates the gluten, which is the proteins in the batter, and that is what creates this kind of like elastic firm quality, which can be good if you're making breads right. or things like that, right. but um, or pizza dough, but really not what you want in a more delicate cake or I totally over
0: mixing just so over the holidays I was at home and we make these I think I've mentioned them before on the show we make these cheese balls mm-hmm. that are like they're so good they're just basically like grated cheddar cheese, flour, butter, essentially uh-huh. a little cayenne and you make a dough and then you wrap the dough around olives. Oh yeah. And then you bake it's like it, yeah. they're they're amazing. I mean they're so low they're so amazing. Anyway, we always have them for Christmas. My mother is making them and I'm just listening to her in the kitchen, and I just hear the cuisinart go, and it's going and it's going and it's going and it's go- it's literally on full blast for like five minutes, oh and I walked in and I was like, "What? What are you doing?" She's like, "I mix. I'm making the cheese ball. olive cheese balls." I'm like, "How long? How long have you put the cuisinart <laughs> on?" And sure enough, we ate them. It was like chewing gum. You know, uh-huh. they, they yeah. were so. Tough and chewy, I was, and I just wanted to be like, stop! I that good? Turn it Pulse it. Yeah. Just pulse it until combined. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> makes me laugh. Over mixing, not good. So yeah,
1: so just relax about the lumps is is what I'm saying. Take your lumps. Yeah, take your lumps, and uh, you know, just mix it enough so that the batter is combined. You know, you don't have big chunks of flour left in there, but that's that's enough. You don't have to go crazy. Okay, you'll have a much lighter, tender cake.
0: Okay, so no more fuck-ups in the kitchen when it comes to baking. That's right. We're done. We We know everything. But we need to move on to pasta. But before we move on to pasta, we want to take a break and talk about our sponsor, Squarespace.
1: So Squarespace is going to save me from the shame of having a personal website that looks like it was created in 1996 or maybe it was <laughs> <laughs> yeah because it was yeah so i love squarespace because uh, it's actually so easy that it looks like something that i might potentially be able to follow through on even though i feel like i never have time to follow through on if you're on making anything.
0: cupcakes at 9:30 this yeah. is, you need us easy yeah i web like builder.
1: it it's good because it's from what i can tell I've been on there, I signed up, all the sites look gorgeous and professionally designed, but you don't need any skill to do anything, which is really good in my case. And if you sign up for a year, you get a free domain name to use, which is great. So if like me, you need major help, you can start your free trial today at Squarespace.com. Make sure to use the offer code real simple and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, build it beautiful.
0: All right, let's talk pasta. So this is the thing I fuck up a lot, and it's so embarrassing. Like, you have a bunch of people over. Like, I'll make Marcelle Hazan's bolognese. I do it Mm -hmm. almost every weekend at this point. It's like, because I know, I know how. And then I'll boil, like, two pounds of spaghetti, <laughs> and I'll drain the spaghetti, and I'll put, them, put it back in the pot, and I'll be like, everybody, time for dinner. Come on over. And they'll come over, and they'll take the tongs, and, like, the entire two pounds of spaghetti will just be at this massive, like, rat's nest coil. <laughs> it's, so, it's so embarrassing. So let's go kind of from start to finish with pasta, both with sauce and with pasta. Like, how do we avoid that? And let's start from the very beginning when we have the pan and we're making a sauce.
1: Okay. So I think there's they're sort of like the conventional wisdom about boiling pasta and what you abso- absolutely should do. And then... There's maybe I, I'm here to say I think there's maybe some like wiggle room in terms of that's how hard line heard. we need to be about it, which is so okay. Let's back up though. Let's say the conventional wisdom, which you just refer to, I think, is that you need these like great big vats of water to boil a pound of pasta. Yes. So like you need a pot that you cannot see into the top of <laughs> <laughs> that takes 45
0: minutes yes, to fill to
1: and 4 hours to <laughs> yeah. come to a boil right and you know why, why why do we say that well number 1 so say you're adding a bunch of pasta to a small pan of water the idea is that the less water the more the pasta will lower the water's temperature meaning that it won't be boiling vigorously enough. So it'll get kind of like gummy and gross and nobody wants to eat pasta like that. And then it'll be too starchy because the ratio of pasta to water will be too high. So that's all the conventional wisdom. That all sounds like really bad things, right? Terrible. Truth is, though, in my experience, and we've talked a little bit about this in prior episodes, like I think when we did our pasta episode, we talked a a bit about some pastas that you can make all in one pan. And those in themselves are evidence of the fact that this isn't really 100% true. Sometimes you actually want that starchy water. It creates like a nice silkiness in the sauce. And I think the one thing that is true about using a smaller Pot of water, is that it does require a little bit more oversight. So, if you really just want to throw your pasta in and and kind of stir it once and walk away, yeah, by all means, you probably should do what your grandma did and like use six quarts of water, or whatever. But, um, but you are not if you don't have a pot that's that big and you don't have time to wait forty five minutes for the water to boil, you are not going to screw everything up if you stir the pasta a few times you know, when you put it in the pot, it's not all going to stick together. You go back and you stir it every once in a while, you're going to be okay. If the water is really, really boiling and you keep an eye on it and you keep the temp up, and as long as the pasta is fully submerged, right, I think that's the key thing, you're going to be fine. And, you know, when it's done, drain off as much of the starchy water as you don't want to use. So what do you you mean by, like, rinse the pasta? No, don't rinse the pasta. Okay, because people,
0: I've heard that before, too, rinse with cold water.
1: No, I I just, I'm saying save whatever starchy water you want to use for the sauce. Okay. Get rid of the rest, but don't toss it with oil. Okay, this is another thing I think you've talked about doing because you're afraid of it sticking together. Yeah,
0: or I'll do it with butter, too.
1: Okay, so that's another place where you can go off course, which yeah. is you think you're tossing it with oil so that it won't stick together. But yeah. what that ha- then happens is that when you do toss it with the sauce, the sauce won't stick to the pasta either.
0: Right. So, so you've just got noodles and sauce. There's yes. like not, no combo. So the
1: best thing you can do is mix in a little bit of whatever sauce you're going to use oh. as kind of like the primer. Yeah. And then... Makes the rest of it. Okay. So skip the oil step.
0: Okay. And I think on the, I think this was in a recent episode you said, and tell me if I'm wrong because I have, I've begun to lose my mind, that the sauce can always wait for the pasta, but the pasta cannot wait for the sauce. So I think the other thing that's key that I am not good at is getting that, ideally getting that pasta to be finished cooking. And serving it right away. Like yeah. the sauce is ready. The pasta is now ready. Go. Like don't – I think I've left it in the pot a little too long sometimes too and that's when all of a sudden it's – Right. It's, that's
1: when it gets like so kind of spongy and yeah, – yeah. 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 So that's definitely true. I think the pasta is the thing that you want to kind of cook a la minute, Like have it ready to go. Okay. Or, you know – if you have something to sauce it with, <laughs> like even just a little bit of tomato sauce or something like that. What about if you're the, using the it.
0: pasta water? Like, what about using a little bit of the pasta water?
1: That's that's fine, too, except it's going to keep be... absorbing oh, water, yeah. so you don't really want it sitting in a puddle of water. Yeah. If you think about what happens to chicken noodle soup or something like yeah. that when you add the noodles and then you, like, let it sit there, they you want to keep it al dente. Okay. But I just want to back up before we move on to sauces a little bit more, which To say one more thing about using smaller quantities of water, and that is that, like I said, the most important thing is that the pasta is at least covered because you don't want, like, parts of it to get chewy and other parts not to. So for that reason, sometimes it's not the best technique with, like, really big pieces of pasta, like long fettuccine or anything like that, things that will be pointier and, like, sticking out. But smaller shapes are, like— penne or things like that. Right. Instead of having to, like, tamp the ends of the spaghetti down. (laughs) I've been there.
0: Okay. So now let's talk about the sauce for a second. When you're starting with your sauce, you're usually starting with maybe some onions and garlic. Yeah,
1: The one, like, thing I can say about that to save yourself some unpleasantness (laughs) is that onions and garlic are not the same thing, and they cook at different speeds. And so you should not add them to your hot pan at the same time. So if you're sauteing your onions and you're getting them nice and like golden and translucent, mm-hmm. and in the time that that takes to happen, if you're adding your garlic at the beginning, it's going to be scorched and burnt by right. the time your onions right. are the way you want them. So just add your garlic at the end. You just, okay. you just want to you know sort of soften them and sweeten them a little you don't want to you don't want to brown them that's going to make them bitter so end of the process i think also with
0: the onions you've got to watch them like i've definitely burnt my onions before yeah or they've just become they're not golden they're like shoe leather color right yeah and that doesn't work either because then they get kind of chewy exactly oh gosh so many things to mess up okay okay (laughs) pasta done done i feel so confident now Let's talk about knives for a second. Yes. I get really mad because my husband puts sometimes puts our good knives in the dishwasher. It makes mm-mm, me mm-mm. insane. Eh. Okay. <laughs> and I tell him why, but he doesn't seem – you know, it's funny. He doesn't listen to me after a year of marriage. I guess that's what happens. Um, <laughs> but will you – what's what's the deal when you put knives in the dishwasher? I mean, I had first heard it was the water hitting the knives, but I think it's actually more – them clacking together. Yes,
1: exactly. Yeah. So your knives are one of the most important tools in your kitchen. Maybe the most important. And so, you know, you have to treat them with a little bit of respect and care. And what happens when you just sort of throw them in the dishwasher, you know, even if they're in that little basket with all your other utensils, is that that those jets of water, that kind of high pressure water that comes shooting off the side of the, the way everything gets clean. So we think. We don't so actually we ever think, see it. I, I know. The <laughs> way rumor, I imagine rumor it. has it. <laughs> you know, that, those are powerful. So they're going to hit the knives. They're going to clang things around. And the blades are going to knock against your spoons and your forks. And that is going to dull their edge and make them, you know, a little bit bent or um damaged over time, basically. And, you know, I know that some dishwashers have, like, specially designed knife racks in them or, like, little slots where you can kind of position them. It's really not all. It might be marginally better, but it's still not a solution. And then, you know, dishwashers also get super, super hot when they're drying the dishes at the end of the cycle and that can do bad things to your handles it can kind of like warp them so things just get misshapen it's it not takes, a good like, idea it takes like two
0: seconds right. to wa- hand wash and a knife there you go i would also say anybody with a dog i mean come on you're not going to put your sharp knife in the dishwasher and then have them as they as they want to do like clean all the dishes with their tongue yeah. like, it could be bad
1: <laughs> yeah so instead as you said just just wash your knives by hand. I mean, and the truth is, like, how many knives are you using in prepping dinner? I'm not talking about just like your butter knives. or These are the knives that you're actually slicing. You're slicing and dicing and cutting So just, you know, wipe your knife blades clean with a sponge, dry them right away, and put them away.
0: Okay. So then when it comes to actually cutting and slicing and dicing choosing a knife is actually pretty
1: important. Totally, yeah. Uh, All knives are not created equally and they are, some do some things better than others, which is not to say you need 10 different knives. You do not, basically you need two different kinds of knives. You need like a chef's knife, which is your basic non-serrated, long, wide bladed. Big guy. Big guy, and you know it doesn't have to be huge, but you know something that is big enough to actually like get around things like a butternut squash or something like that without feeling like you're you're wobbling and you might only be able to cut. I half still of think that's a time. the horrible thing yeah. to
0: cut. But yeah, you definitely need so a strong. So you adjusting.
1: need one that's big enough to give you some like leverage um, when you're working with like onion or squash or hard objects like that. Then you need well you know, three knives. So you need your chef's knife. You need a paring knife, which is small, slim, good for like little peeling and trimming tasks like hauling strawberries or even like, you know, working with like baby potatoes or things like that. Chopping little fruits, you know. I have Little stuff. Yeah, exactly. Little <laughs> things. And then uh, you need a serrated knife. You need a Good serrated knife, and that is going to be your friend when you're slicing bread. Do not slice bread with a chef's knife; you'll get sad, flat. Oh, it's the deflated worst bread. And, but also for like, if you ever need to cut through sort of more delicate pastries or some smoother-skinned fruits and vegetables like tomatoes mm-hmm. or plums, even peaches, sometimes like if you're making peach pie or things like that. All of those things sort of respond better to a serrated knife. And If you have a small child and you have to do ridiculous tasks like slice grapes in half, that's when you want a little (laughs) serrated knife. And big balls of mozzarella. And big balls of mozzarella, yes.
0: Okay. And finally, we're going to wrap up with one last thing Mm -hmm. about knives, which is what you're cutting on.
1: Yes. Invest in a decent-sized cutting board, so one that is bigger than, say, six to eight inches
0: square. Why do these, those even exist, quite I, honestly? like The only reason they exist is if you have a bar and you want to slice a lime and keep it on the cutting board. Yeah. That is the only reason.
1: No. Just give yourself some space, okay? You have a little space to move. You're less likely to hurt yourself. You know, your food won't go like flying all over the floor. Everything will just be better contained. And you should have room to move. And also that will give you the space to kind of like cut your food, slice your food in a way that isn't totally disorganized. Like you have the birth to kind of move from left to right. And... Have a place on the cutting board for your, prepared, for your already sliced pieces to rest while you're finishing. It's just one of those things that is worth investing in. Right. And it doesn't have to be a lot. I mean, Ikea has perfectly nice wooden cutting boards that I have a stack of in my house that are, are less than, I think they're less than $12. Yeah, it does, so it's, 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 it's like
0: you just need a wooden cutting board and you need something that's
1: yeah. Bigger. Oh, and that's the other thing. Just if you have one of those glass cutting boards, put it in the garbage I, I don't know who's, you know, and I,
0: I didn't even know this exist. Yeah,
1: glass? it's just I that? don't. And actually, I think my mother, mom, if you're listening, I didn't want to say this to you before because I'm your daughter. But please get rid of the glass cutting board.
0: Well, so maybe that's how we should end. Uh, On notes to our mothers. Get rid of the glass cutting board. It's bad for your knife. Stop the Cuisinart. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> OK, that's a perfect way okay. to wrap up parting notes on our kitchen snafus episode. Thank you so much for joining us today for Things Cooks Know. We'd like to thank our producer, Tim Einenkel, and our ace engineer, Zach Dinerstein. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe on iTunes. And for a million more great cooking tips and recipes and kitchen fixes, head to realsimple.com. If you have topics you'd like us to cover next time, you can tweet them to us at Sarah P. Humphreys or at SQ Karn. We'll be back next week.